Watch Tim wishes you good luck and Godspeed. Space Monkeys blasting off with Mark and Kristoff from Cytel Ventures. Uh, very exciting to have them here and uh, get their perspective on everything that's going on, not only now in the markets, but with Polkadot and the entire ecosystem in general. Guys, welcome to the show. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. We've been uh, following some of your projects on the channel for a few months now. Uh, you definitely have your finger on the pulse of projects, interesting projects coming up in the ecosystem. Maybe we could just start with uh, the basics. What work are you each doing at Cytel? My title is Chief Investment Officer, so I guess the buck stops with me when it comes to investment decisions and working with the team. I think I have to do everything else then. Okay. So, <laughs> Got no, I think it's um, the most important thing is that uh, is the investment side, and mm -hmm. I make sure that everything else um, works works well. Okay, and just to clear something up right off the bat here, because I've received conflicting information here. Uh, how do you say Cytel? Cytel. Cytel works. It's well. Cytel. If you want to use the Greek, yeah. which is where the word comes from, it's Skitele, and sure. it's a form of um, ancient cryptography where there's a baton with a parchment around it or a strap of leather. And then you would wind it around, write on it, unwind it, take it across the battlefield, and if the uh, messenger got intercepted, it would be difficult to decipher that. Uh, you spot. need like the diameter of the... Yeah, you exactly. need to have the same diameter. Oh, that's cool, okay. Well, thanks for sitting down with me, guys. Um, I'm curious, like, how did you guys get involved in the Polkadot ecosystem, which I think is where the majority of Cytel funds are, are resting? Sure. You know, one of these random things in life my, was introduced to a guy named Ed Hesse before he founded Grid Singularity. And uh, this was, I met him in around June, May, June of 2015. And we became friends. And then in 2016, he left the company where he was. I left the bank where I was. I went to a startup. He created his own startup, and I invested in it. A year later, um, I approached him if he would want to help with a new fund in the blockchain space. So I'd been approached a few times to launch a crypto hedge fund, you know, mm. to trade back and forth. But having run assets, investing in hedge funds. The only reason someone should start a fund is because they have some kind of edge, some kind of reason to do it, rather than the market being hot. And so when the ICO started kicking off in 2017, I saw an opportunity, which I thought was obvious. So we wanted to be, I wanted to be in technology, being heavily influenced uh, by Naval Ravikant, and he was on a Tim Ferriss podcast. And he said the only place he wants to be is technology because that's what's responsible for the improvement of the human condition. So global GDP was more or less the same for thousands of years with agrarian uh, economic system. And then technology came and then started ticking up the, the quality of life and faster technology kept improving and the quality of life started improving very quickly. And, and so putting those things together, knowing Ed, seeing that he had some information about what was happening with the teams, with ICOs, and the idea that if you could access early um, and have a way to vet which ones were good and which ones were just 
like stories with no, no background, that would be something that would be an excellent value proposition. So we worked together in the bank for eight years or so. I, was, okay. I ended up 12 years altogether there, and I think Christoph was slightly longer amount of time. Yeah, like around 100 years in the bank, so... Mm -hmm. <laughs> okay, <laughs> looking very good. Yeah, no, yeah. I... But now it's deteriorating because one year in crypto is like seven years in real life. Especially after today. Okay, so that's an interesting story. You're talking about um, you started a hedge fund because you had this friend Ed Yeah, Hess. so we were in... No, we, I didn't want to do a hedge fund okay, because that involved trading and no. I didn't see any edge that I could bring. Mm. And I had invested in hedge funds for 20 years prior and the only long-term successful um, uh, funds were funds that actually made investments over medium term mm. with some sort of investment thesis and trading was not it you know there's yeah. some trades sometimes you have a good run and sometimes you have a bad run but it was very difficult to replicate even the CTAs which is like better than human trading uh, mm. algorithmic trading and so the idea if we could access good teams early before they had a token before it was listed then we would have a very good chance to deliver value for investors. And our net, my network were traditional investors who would not touch this stuff mm. on their own or, or natively. So if we could create a vehicle, a fund vehicle for them, then that I thought it would be very interesting for them to be on the cutting edge of technology. Incredible. It wasn't exactly right because no. it was hard to raise money <laughs> for the first fund. What was hard about it? Was it because it was so... Yeah, well, my network, mostly hedge fund managers, pretty wealthy, um, but also very smart. And so not that easy to convince them to invest in an unproven asset class sure. uh, with an unproven asset manager because I hadn't done it before. But it ended up being successful. It was okay. Okay. And, and so I approached Ed and he said, yeah, I'm happy to do it. Let mm -hmm. me see which friends I get. And he has five or six people. And two of them said yes. One was Aaron Buchanan, who was the original chief operating officer of the Ethereum Foundation. And the other is Gavin Wood, who was the original chief technology officer of Ethereum. At that time, Polkadot didn't exist. Right. It was before he, he uh, founded Polkadot. And we started. I think there was, in my opinion, a really big advantage that we saw a lot during our career. Yeah, so we saw 2007, 2008. Um, and, and I think that helps a lot and that's I think why we were super cautious in not only in, in investing but also the money we raised. We didn't try to maximize the assets under management but we hopefully can do this for a few more years and in the end the only thing what matters is um, what you return to your investors. That's the only marketing you you need in the asset management industry. We have a big alignment of interest, so management is heavily invested in, in the fund um, ourselves. Um, we only get a performance fee when the investor makes money, so I think that's, I think that's important. Yeah. So it sounds like it's like a pretty conservative bank with well-aligned incentives. It's a super conservative, it's a savings bank, you know. Right, right. It was founded on the 4th of October, 1819. I don't know if you have been around that 1819. long. 1819. Yeah. Okay, wow. Mark just said that it, it was difficult for him to convince his really smart friends to jump into the crypto game. Well, how did he get you in, on board here? And, and what did you think about the idea when he first presented it to you? 
Mark and myself stayed in contact over all those years. Yeah, so it's not that um, we didn't see each other for ten years and then he all yeah. of a sudden says, uh, "Hey, I'm doing this blockchain thing. Just come along." He said, "Hey, that sounds good." So being in the bank, so I'm, I was in the bank for about thirty years, which is, you know, probably longer than. Um, uh, a lot of the players in the crypto industry are um, and I think I would not have done it for anyone else because the thing is like our investors trust us I trust Mark and so it's not like if I get approached by the 25 year old um, crypto billionaire and said hey can you help me doing that yeah so I definitely would not have done that so that was one of the reasons and the other reason was also I have a, a 15 year old son and the thing is when I go forward 10 years and he will say when he's 25 say hey didn't you have a chance to be involved in the blockchain space yeah and he, I would have needed to answer yeah 10 years ago a friend of mine approached me if I want to build up something something with him and I just but I said no because I decided to retire in the bank and I think no one knows how it's gonna pan out but something is happening and it's it's great to be involved in it, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So. But the, the real story is I, I was asking Christoph for uh, a few years if he wanted to join. <laughs> and then finally, he could tell the story better than I can. Yeah, so basically, <laughs> you know, it's always about timing. But then um, in, I think it was November 2020, um, Mark, um, knocked on my door in, in Vienna. Um, he uh, had a very nice bottle of rum in his hand. Uh -huh. And because I sometimes drink a sip of rum as well. Um, and then he said, okay, tonight we're gonna drink the bottle. We didn't finish the bottle. We didn't finish the bottle. <laughs> and tonight you're gonna sign. So we didn't, we didn't sign anything. Well, we, um, shook we shook hands. <laughs> okay. And um, yeah, so that was the... He really had his way with you that night. <laughs> and then what was it like? Like what, when the market started coming down, like this is your first fund. Is that was first... a disaster. Yeah, was it a disaster? What, how did it feel then? Same as now. <laughs> it doesn't no, change. It's not no, nearly no. as bad. Because we mm. had fully invested the money and we had a small buffer and, and I was really close with one of the employees at Ocean Protocol. Okay. And I don't know if you know the story of Ocean Protocol, 24 cents was the private sale and then they ICO'd at 20 cents, but it didn't sell out. Oh. And then they had an IEO at 11 cents and the team displayed a lot of in integrity and, and fair play, but because for the private investors, they increased their uh, to number of tokens, so mm. they got the same price. They didn't have to do that, and it was really cool that they did, and it, and it showed that these were people that were trustworthy. And then they, they had this IEO, which immediately tanked because it was a problem within the team, not the founding team, but part of the, the, the other team parts of the team that were there. It looked like it was uh, under distress. Yeah. So. I tried to figure out as best as I could what was going on and and you know Trent McConaughey, Bruce Pond were amazing, amazing visionaries. But the rest of the team was maybe not as strong and just to find out what was happening and what were the prospects going forward. And so then um, 
I got a pretty good handle on it that this was something that was salvageable. And so I approached the other uh, larger venture investors and said, hey guys, let's get together and offer help or assistance to Trent and Bruce. Mm. And it was funny, one of the other guys said, well, you know, I'm friends with Trent. I don't want to fight with him. I'd rather write it off. I said, no, 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 no. This is, we're not, there's no chance we're going to fight with anybody because we have tokens. We don't have like these rights. We're not going to sue anybody. The idea is to offer, you know, um, uh, collaboration. Um, but to be able to offer that, we need some more transparency. We need some accountability and maybe some oversight. Mm. And, and the other guys said yes, and said, well, see what they say, but if they say yes, we'll do it. And so then I approached them, uh, Trent and Bruce, and they said, yeah, you know, happy to have you uh, helping us. And we formed something called the Ocean Council. And so I kind of rolled up my sleeves and said, whatever I can do to help, I'm gonna do it. So we helped them with market making. My background was on financial markets and Ocean Protocol is all about data. Yeah, and yeah. one of the biggest data markets is financial markets data. And so I brought them to consumers of data to see how that would be with Ocean Protocol. And, and the token at that time, I think hit a low of 1.9 cents. And so we bought more for the fund. And as it turned out, uh, that ended up being transformational for the fund and then also for the team because it's not our merit that they did well, um, but we certainly assisted them at a tough time. Wow. And, and so from that, we went to Energy Web and I went to, I went to Amsterdam and I met Walter uh, Koch, who was the new CEO there, and just because I hadn't known him and I knew the previous CEO, mm -hmm. and, and it's, this time the Energy Web token was around 11 cents, and they needed to raise money. So there's a chance that the foundation could run out of money, which would be very bad for the whole protocol. Right. And we got to know each other and sort of clicked, and then we started working with them, trying to get the word out on the token because it stayed corporate, conservative industry which is energy and utilities they aren't marketing it's not it's it's a crypto token and it's a crypto system but it's not a hype uh, uh, thing right but right word got out people heard about it and said wow this is you know decarbonizing world energy grids this is something that's good for the world yeah we can get behind this and and by getting the word out and then working with the team you know, helping them with, you know, PR team that is still working with them and, and some other things. And then, you know, our background in uh, financial markets, working with some of the token holders who didn't know how to deal with the token, like some utilities. And we were talking to them, so you can think about it this way and maybe hold it that way. And then if you wanted to, you know, maybe liquidate some, here is a, a, a kind of process you could follow, which would you know, be good for the whole ecosystem and also good for you. And it worked out and the token, you know, was quickly at $3 and above, which was more for them to be break even. And then from that, um, Ed saw what we did there just before Polkadot launched. He said, well, why don't you come and help advise Polkadot? And we spoke with, or Web3 Foundation and Gav was like, yeah, you know, please do it because I, I know you. A little bit. I didn't know Gavin that well uh, uh -huh. at that point, but there was a certain level of mutual trust and respect, and we, we started doing that. And so, and so from there, we've been much more involved in the Polkadot ecosystem, and that's really the only ecosystem 
which is viable enough to uh, focus on as the next generation of blockchain. What do you mean when you say viable? So there are a lot of things that can attract money and hype quickly, yeah. but may not stay around because maybe it doesn't have like decentralization, maybe the tech is very questionable, um, maybe it's a blockchain that goes down all the time, just, you know, maybe it's a Ponzi. you can't use it. Yeah. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> you guys have your fingers on other ecosystems outside Polkadot right now? Yeah, of course. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, we have this fund, we've raised it, uh, we've only deployed about 40% of the capital, so we have another 60% to deploy. Markets are tanking today, I don't know, Bitcoin is down 15% today, which is, you know, not, not the best thing in the world um, and it's painful, but we're in an ecosystem that we know has amazing foundation, an amazing plan to go forward, and, and we're really confident that we can deploy capital here because we know how much Gavin and the team have put into thought in designing it. Yeah. Uh, and it's, it's, it's really next generational blockchain. So you said you're 40% deployed. How big is the fund right now? Just over sixty million dollars. Sixty million dollars. So, Six zero. what are you looking at right now? Like you're looking at the Polkadot ecosystem. What projects are really uh, attracting your attention? We're looking at gaming, not play to earn, because play to earn is not a sustainable system. Right. We're looking at uh, infrastructure that moves toward adoption. So, wallets is, is something where we're uh, very interested in. Cool. Uh, we're looking at some financing for real world assets. Uh, we have in a portfolio already, and we might look at it at a different angle. We're looking at medical data, but yeah. I think it's we're not going. The portfolio is not going to be not not going to have like 50 different investments. We work very closely um, with the project. I think you interviewed a, a bunch of them, and and um, so we we try to introduce them um, to each other. You know, find synergies, and mm -hmm. but you can only do this uh, with a certain amount of, of projects. So we're not afraid to take bigger positions because in the end um, the work we put in is the same as if you build a 5% position or if you build a 50 basis points position. Yeah. If we are convinced of something, uh, we're not afraid to uh, put real money to work. So yeah. we hopefully have a higher hit ratio, um, but of course um, it's much more work. It's frustrating for the team sometimes because they put a lot of um, work into the analysis. We go very deep with, with each project. We start with a business analysis. Is the project viable? If it's viable, then we go into a technical due diligence and we go very, very deep in there. And then usually Mark's, um, Mark is negotiating a very good price for us and then we put the money to work for not, yeah. So. Ed, Gavin, and Aaron are still advisors. Yeah. And so we have, should have a monthly call. Doesn't always happen every month. <laughs> okay. But, uh, and in, in the first fund that was in person, uh, we just had dinner and, or beer every month in cool. Berlin. And yeah. it worked. You know, then COVID happened and then it, we stopped doing the in-person and now people have kind of scattered around. When you talk to these guys, what do you think they all have in common? Well, I think the beauty is that it's all different. So Gavin's very much looking at, well, he's now his title as the chief architect yeah. of Polkadot, yeah. I think, or Substrate. And he's, you know, looking a lot at governance and about sustainability of that. Ed is much more looking in the energy space, and I know he's building up uh, infrastructure for the future of energy web.
And Aaron is a master of uh, token systems, and so he's doing advisory on on things like that. What do you guys think, uh, like holistically, uh, about user adoption, and even besides user adoption, just like Polkadot inserting itself into the major crypto narrative? Uh, how do you think Polkadot's going to be positioned? Uh, let's say over the next like three or four years through the next market cycle. I think Polkadot is positioned amazingly well. May not look like it uh, on the surface. Right. Um, tech is one of the best, if not the best. We think it's the best uh, tech platform. But we also know that best tech doesn't always win. And it's set up in such a way, which is really, really so important, is regulatory compliance. Yes. And it's just piece that came out and by the time this comes out maybe it'll be, be clarified yeah, yeah. Um, but we're really close to the to the story and it is regulatory compliant so SEC said come in and talk to us web 3 was one of the only ones that actually went in and actually did it and and having that some sort that we have you know comfort that there's regulatory clarity here and that's going to be really really important for institutional adoption yeah and Polkadot is set up you know with this parachain model where you have very general uh, base layer which is layer zero which is a relay chain mm -hmm. and then you can have very specific parachains which are custom made for different business applications no one else has this and it's really really complicated and really hard to build and it's successfully being built now. Yeah. And so, you know, I'm working on a narrative um, um, why uh, enterprise adoption is really going to happen. And that was everybody's first idea, enterprise, 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 <clears throat> and the infrastructure wasn't there, um, and it didn't, didn't work, didn't happen so far. Mm -hmm. And the analogy is in 1997, there was a company called Share Your World, which was video sharing. Wow. And dial-up internet, no video compression, didn't make it. 2005, a company was founded with a largely similar business model yeah. called YouTube. Mm -hmm. I think that's going to be the case here, and I think Polkadot is going to be a place where we're going to see real enterprise adoption for a number of reasons, but largely because the infrastructure is there. Yeah. There are going to be companies, we're talking to two of them, like that will be, that don't exist yet, but are being founded for enterprise integration onto Polkadot, whether it's parachains or onto blockchains or parachains already existing in the ecosystem and this is long term it'll it'll won't happen from one day to the next but it's absolutely the future where did blockchain where was it successful so far it was in payments kind of it was in speculation definitely yeah. maybe that maybe it's speculation maybe it's gambling maybe it's trading right. but defi worked mm -hmm. and still works and mm -hmm. is it regulatory compliant Maybe not 100%, um, but it's definitely on the way, and the tools are in there to make it regulatory compliant, right. regulatory compliant. So we have Kilt Protocol uh, yeah. in, in there, and they're probably very soon going to announce partnerships with large companies that do KYC and will provide credentials attestations for an identity on chain mm -hmm. where you don't have to reveal who you are. You just reveal that you are compliant. qualified or compliant to undertake this activity. Gotcha. 
Okay, so you're confident and you see kind of the enterprise adoption coming down the road here. Is there anything that you think the ecosystem needs in order to assure that Polkadot is in the right place at the right time and that the best tech doesn't miss? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, business development um, yeah. has been a challenge. Yeah, yeah. I think it will improve and what I think is really good is if other companies uh, pop up to do it so it's not all going through a foundation or a single development company. Yeah, you know, yeah. So the, the sort of model right now that works really well is Polygon and they're killing it. They're doing a great job in business development mm -hmm. globally. In the US, I live in Dubai, they're amazing there. They're doing Plan B in Lugano. Um, you know, huge activity in India. They're yeah. killing it. Yeah. It's all going through the foundation. And is that centralized? Questionable. Right. Doesn't matter? Maybe it will. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, I'm also curious to see like how far will Polygon get in these enterprises? Like will they hit a wall like with regulatory wise or tech wise? Polygon is great, so I'm not I'm not trying I'm not to not slamming Polygon here, no, we're yeah. praising them for sure. Right. Yeah. So they're the model to They're the model, yeah, that's right. And and so you know, people try to FUD and say, well, you know, BizDev and um, Polkadot is, you know, not as strong. Right. And I would largely agree with that, but see that as an opportunity and say that, okay, the model was not to do business development when you didn't have anything to develop on. That's right, yeah. And so to build out the tech, have a robust, proven platform, which is why Kusama is amazing, mm -hmm. um, and Kusama is going to stick around. You need to have that sort of real-world canary network yeah yeah we always say look I mean you have like currently like 20,000 um, cryptocurrencies around and probably 85 to 90 percent will disappear in the next couple of years why yeah. because they have no value they have no utility nothing and speculation was the only raison d'etre for for them yeah the ones who have a um, a utility, you know, add value will survive. Yeah, but I think it's going to, on the other side, it's going to be a difficult period going forward. Um, yeah. We haven't seen, you know, interest rates just went up. Um, central banks are still pull, pulling liquidity out of the system. Yeah. And it's going to be really hard for crypto to do well. You guys are managing the $60 million fund. Just curious if you have any simple general advice to any of our listeners who are managing, let's say, a $6,000 fund. I can speak from, from my own experience Please. when uh, especially Ocean uh, looked like it was totally wrecked. I was in a fortunate position where, where I was able to talk to the people on the team and have an understanding that they were going to be around and they were going to make it and they were going to uh, stick it out. And so as far as you can um, do some real research to understand fundamentally why something makes sense and fundamentally why a team will see it through, then you can stay invested even if it looks really bad for a period of time. Um, on the other side, you know, coming from financial markets and, and being uh, on Wall Street, there is a wise saying that your first loss is your best loss. <laughs> and, and when something is only hopium, that it's going to come back because of 
whatever reason, yeah. um, best to take your loss and, and not lose everything. And so it's hard in, um, to know the difference between the two. I think it's um, honesty, <laughs> integrity, and empathy. And I think um, honesty, it doesn't matter if you run a $6,000 fund or a $6 billion fund. It's like if you stick to those values, um, people will respect you and you know, if you lose money, you lose money um, as long as you did it in a way where people know, okay, he was honest, he, was in, he showed integrity and he showed empathy, he tried to help the projects. Um, I think that's about it. Thanks very much for sharing that. Uh, guys, getting kicked out here, but very, very nice to speak to you. Thanks for taking the time. Thank and I you. Hope, I hope we get to talk again soon and uh, wish you all the best with... Yeah, uh, we will. You have to come to Lisbon. Sure. Well, come the weekend before. There's going to be some cool stuff. Hell yeah. yeah. An insider fly on the wall. Sounds good, buddy. Thanks a lot, eh? Good stuff.